Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Bauer and Rose, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sticking around with us. There weren't any podcasts last week. Uh, Gary was off gallivanting. I don't know what he was doing. Actually, I'm teasing. I was off gallivanting. One of the more extraordinary weeks that I've had. I was in Taiwan and uh, would love to get into that. We were preoccupied with the uh, Tony Blinken visit to China, which obviously folks in Taiwan were very uh, concerned about. And let me just throw out a couple of things before I let you go on this, because there's so much to talk about today. There's well, let me just say for the record, Tom, the reason I didn't do a show is uh, on my own is that uh, Bauer and Bauer just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, I've tried it and I find myself obnoxious and I monopolize the time. It just doesn't work. Out. And, and how, how is that different than Bauer and Rose? Yes, well, virtually not. You but walked I, I, right into that one. I get to see your disgruntled look. You walked right into that. You walked right I, into that. Well, we've got three big stories, I think, today. Um, I want to get in briefly just for my own purposes because I had this extraordinary week last week, uh, the Blinken visit in China, uh, the, the uh, phony coup in Russia, and, of course, uh, the other three main stories, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, and Joe Biden. But let me start off, and I'll... I'll I, I, the, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, the leading diplomat of what used to be the leading uh, great power in the world, visits Beijing last week in an effort to improve ties. Um, and this is what struck... I was with a bunch of foreign ministry officials uh, when this happened last week. Not terribly senior uh, foreign official, foreign ministry people, but uh, folks that uh, we spent some time with. Uh, and the first thing they noticed, the first thing they said, and I wasn't here last week, so I missed the Hunter Biden plea. De- I missed all that stuff. You'll, you'll have to uh, uh, fill us in. The one thing that everybody immediately noticed was that when Blinken walked into the room with Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping didn't move. He stood there at his end of the room. And Tony Blinken had to walk all the way over to Xi Jinping to shake his hand. And I was reminded of the, the famous story of uh, a British ambassador in the middle of the 19th century who uh, was assigned to the Ottoman Empire. And the, 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 uh, the sultan at the time in the port of the Ottoman Empire in Istanbul had this similar policy to the Chinese where you have to, you had to drop to all fours before him and put your head on the ground and all that stuff. And the British ambassador, whose name I don't remember, um, refused to do so. So the Ottomans then created this ruse where they had, like, I guess what today we would call a dog door that you would have to get through to see the sultan. 
and that would suffice because you'd have to crawl on your hands and knees. Well, this British ambassador um, went through the dog door backwards. So it was his keister that faced the sultan, not his head. That was his way of showing that I represent the United Kingdom. I represent Great Britain. I don't supplicate. Let me just point out, this is why, if you sometimes wonder, this is why you listen to Bauer and Rose. Because one half of this duo can come up with uh, vignettes from the Ottoman (laughs) Empire in order to brutally attack the Secretary of State of the United States of America. (laughs) No, I just, it's, it's, um, this was, I just thought that incredibly pathetic demonstration of a of a supplicant not the leader of the diplomatic corps of a great power not the head of a great nation but remember uh anthony blinken i'm not making casting any aspersions here i don't know the extent to which he was involved in any of the corruption he ran the penn biden center that was funded by the Chinese Communist Party to the tune of anywhere from 30 to 40 million dollars. Uh, so can he write off the cost of this trip because he was just <laughs> going to his funders? Uh, you know, I, I just I, I don't know, Bauer. I'm trying to make like important points. And uh, well, what I'm, I know I'm you're teasing, you're teasing some humor, because otherwise you and I and our entire country would would weep, which many people are weeping. And this is why the polling shows that. Seventy-five percent of America thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. Uh, no, it was it, uh, th- 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 that insight is really great, Tom. Um, it, it was pitiful to watch the body language. Uh, whenever there was a even a brief uh, clip of Blinken and she, uh, um, w- when they shook hands at one point, I mean, literally, literally Blinken looked like a little kid. That that was being, you know, paid attention to for a brief few seconds by the head of this powerful rising nation. Um, it, it was from beginning to end. It was it was terrible. And meanwhile, back home, I don't know whether you were hearing this, but uh, uh, Biden was kowtowing for days leading up to the meeting. You know, when he comes off the aircraft or when he's on the way to the helicopter and he pauses and goes and talks to the reporters, that's not Biden being spontaneous. That's Biden who's been given something to say. That's a very intentional thing. And uh, one of those days leading up to this uh, this meeting, Biden walks over to the cameras and says, look, I'm optimistic. Uh, this silly balloon thing uh uh, that's behind us. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't even think that was intentional. I, I think that was uh, accidental. And, and actually, you know, it didn't hurt us. They were embarrassed by it. I, I mean, it was just one boot licking statement after another. I mean, it was it was um, the stunning incompetence that this administration deals with China. <clears throat> China. Let's put it this way. China's not only a one-party state today, Gary, it's a one-man state. So if this 20-story high spy balloon that contained the most sophisticated electronic and signals intelligence equipment known to man, as good if not better than anything that we have, was sent without Xi Jinping's knowledge or consent, the guy that ordered it would be dead now. 
I mean, that's the notion that President Biden is cutting Xi Jinping slack based upon his own incompetent running of of our government. I mean, the the statement that Blinken, uh, I was at dinner. This is in Taipei last, I don't know, Wednesday night or Thursday night, whatever it was. And everyone in this restaurant, we were we were with some folks from uh, the foreign ministry. And in this restaurant, everybody turned uh, to the television monitors to watch this Tony Blinken read this statement about how um, we are monitoring the situation that China is developing and exploiting military bases in Cuba, 90 miles from the United States, that they've spent hundreds of billions of dollars investing in Cuba and all over Latin America, that they run the Panama Canal. And Blinken's response was to issue a statement saying that he's concerned and that we're monitoring the situation. Now, that's Diplo speak, Gary, for saying we aren't doing squat. What do you mean monitoring the situation? Uh, if the house is on fire, you're monitoring the fire or fighting the fire? This Well, you know, Tom, the, the other, you know, the other issue here, uh, yeah, I think some people and the, the average American is not going to get into um, under there. would be no reason for them to understand the, the the fine points of diplomatic relations and th- how little things can be very big on a diplomatic scene. So when Russia, I'm sorry, when uh, communist China and the United States interact diplomatically, not only are uh, other nations in the region watching, the nations that we are trying to join us in containing communist china uh the people of taiwan are watching oh you better believe it the biggest problem the biggest danger we may face here uh in in this effort to contain communist china is that the psychological warfare they're waging against taiwan by these daily uh testing of taiwan airspace where you know uh, the, the chinese communists can send fresh pilots every day and then rest them, right, and send new pilots. The same pilots have to go up to meet these Chinese communist planes because Taiwan is so much smaller, its air force is so much smaller, et cetera. So the real danger here is that a, a large part of the Taiwanese population will slowly come to believe, look, there's no hope here. We can't rely on the United States. Who knows who the next president will be and what that person is. We know this guy is totally unreliable. Um, so we need to make our separate peace if we're going to have any chance of having a decent life on this island and any degree of um, uh, of uh, of freedom. You know, Tom, I, I don't know if this is true, but I believe what's happened to Hong Kong is the largest uh, loss of freedom by a previously free place done without uh, a military invasion. And that certainly would be the case if Taiwan is absorbed into mainland China. I mean, I have you ever been there? I, this was my first yeah. trip there. I mean, I, I'd been there once before, just changing planes didn't really matter. It is the most, I, I came away so uh, exhilarated. It is, 
It is booming. It's rich. And it is 100% Chinese. So this notion that the Chinese Communist Party uh, seeks to impose upon its own people that the 4,000-year history of, of, of continued Chinese civilization is absolutely dependent upon autocratic rule or an emperor, that's the threat that Taiwan poses to China. Taiwan's this incredibly vibrant democracy. They got national elections coming up uh, in January. I was told by, I, okay, I'll call him a senior official because he is, uh, what everybody in Taiwan recognizes, and this is almost a direct quote, China could literally turn off Taiwan like the flick of a switch. In the internet the, and everything, everything else. power, utilities, communication, um, they can, you know, jam. And this is without having fired a single shot. I, I mean, the big issue during this visit that that Blinken and our State Department thought was the big thing that we really have to deal with. We've got to get this fixed um, was. The fact that China and the United States do not have a diplomatic hotline like the USSR did with the United States after the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, um, here's the thing. If President Xi refuses phone calls from Joe Biden, if the defense minister in Beijing refuses phone calls from Lloyd Austin, it isn't because we don't have a good communication system, Gary. It's because yeah. they aren't interested in taking our calls. And for some reason, we seem to be unable to get this. We exposed ourselves. Blinken exposed himself and our country as this supplicant begging for acceptance and approval like a weak party to a much greater power. Rather than moving in the other direction, right, building strength, standing tall, and letting it be known, Gary, that a meeting with a senior U.S. official is something that we grant, not something that they give us. The psychological yeah, balance is now just, it's totally out of kilter. It, it is. And, uh, and Tom, it was also, of course, very telling that communist China gave quite different receptions to American capitalists, oh, yeah. I use the word loosely, uh, that came to visit both before and after Blinken's uh, visit. They were they were given better seats. At Absolutely. The they were given uh, Bill Gates and Elon Musk, even though Musk, uh, I'll give him credit. He was uh, uh, he was far more realistic about what's going on there, even though he's got tens of billions invested. But Bill Gates they treated him like, uh, you know, the king of England. Remember, well, you know, no, I was just going to say, remember when Xi Jinping was here and had dinner down at Mar-a-Lago with Trump and Trump, yeah. Trump very politely uh, excused himself. Mr. Chairman, I've got a I got a matter I have to deal with. I'll be back in a few moments. And during that dinner, um, he ordered the cruise missile strikes on Syria. And then he comes back. Excuse me, Mr. Chairman. Uh, we just had to make a decision to fire 35 cruise missiles at Syrian military installations because they crossed our red line. Can any can you imagine Joe Biden doing that? I mean, seriously, can you imagine that happening? And I don't th that wasn't a Trump stunt. That was that was real. And Xi Jinping got it. Are you sure, Tom? It wasn't. No, I mean, it, it, what what a stroke uh, of good luck, right? That 
that uh, and, and it may be that what, what was happening in Syria was done because they thought, well, the United States would dare strike while they're whining and dining. She I mean, that would look, you know, uh, but that, you know, it ended up that that was one of the most effective messages uh, that that could have been sent. Uh, look, Tom, this is I, I know all the criticism of Trump and lots of people uh, you know, can make valid cases about a lot of different things. He knew more instinctively about foreign policy and how to conduct it than virtually any of these guys running around acting like they're experts right. in foreign policy. Right. You know? And for some reason, if Trump can't pronounce a Chinese name perfectly with a Mandarin accent, that means he's a buffoon and a goof. But I didn't see Mike Pompeo. I didn't even see Rex Tillerson uh, sucking up to Beijing uh, any U.S. official sucking up to Beijing the way uh, we did this past week. But um, a lot happened. A lot happened here at home last uh, well, week. Well, a lot did. Before we before we leave this, um, uh, you know, back to these American capitalists, um, you, you, you know, they, they date communist China. I mean, they, they have a relationship. You know, they want they want to take communist China out for dinner and impress them. They might get lucky if they do that. Right. Lucky in this case doesn't mean what teenage boys are talking about. Uh, it means that maybe they'll be able to uh, increase their balance sheet and have more profits and spend that money in American politics to elect feckless left wing politicians. Uh, so and China wants them. I, I mean, as you know, Tom, every time the Chinese communists came to Washington uh, to deal with the Trump-Pence administration, they more often than not did not fly directly into Washington, D.C. Uh, they would fly to New York first and they would visit all their friends on Wall Street and they would talk about more business deals and they would make it very clear. By the way, if you want to be able to uh, increase your footprint in communist China, um, you, we need your help uh, when, when we're dealing with this recalcitrant president. And so before the Chinese delegation would even arrive in Washington, D.C., uh, the, the White House would be, be getting calls from Republican businessmen saying to them, you, you know, Mr. President, uh, you need to give us a break here. It's to America's interests for us to have influence in China and to be doing well in China. And now, Tom, we're in this situation where, you know, a lot of people have said for are finally catching on after we've had uh, shortages of important medications, uh, shortages of all kinds of things that are, are, are of uh, use and interest uh, to the green energy industry um, that we need to decouple from China. And, and, you know, there's been a lot more talk about that. And then all of a sudden, in the last six months, you've got uh, the Secretary of Treasury and a lot of American businessmen saying it would be a disaster if we decoupled from communist China. So uh, th this is still a huge problem. They've got tremendous leverage over us. They have tremendous influence. Uh, they, they, you know, Hollywood still doesn't want to offend communist China. They're still dreaming that somehow they'll come up with movies that, you know, a couple billion people will, will be able to see. 
Uh, so we're, we're in a real mess, and, and it all proves what we argued uh, 23 years ago, that trade with China would end up changing us a lot more than it would change communist China. Now, when all that was happening, uh, we got um, uh, more evidence that the American federal law enforcement agencies and the um, federal for uh, the federal law enforcement processes that are are followed uh, increasingly look like. Um, uh, national law enforcement in communist China. I was, I was just going to say one final thought, and then we'll get into the uh, the Biden stuff. Our relationship with communist China was much better under Trump than it is today. It really yeah. was. We had, uh, they were acrimonious uh, uh, trade negotiations, but we did the largest agriculture and commodity deal ever done in the history of this country with with China. We managed to impose massive uh, tariffs and and new regulations on Chinese imports that that China cooperated with. There was none of this Taiwan Strait nonsense. There was none of this permanent relationship with Russia nonsense. Chinese respect strength. They respect uh, people who respect themselves. We had a better relationship under under the horrible, horrific, horrendous Donald Trump than we do with this supplicant Joe Biden, who's taken tens and tens of millions of dollars. Now, let's move on to stories number three, four, five and six. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was saying, you know, one of the marks of totalitarian and authoritarian regimes is that every aspect of government and culture is controlled by the ruling party. And one of the benefits of being in the ruling party is that if one of your supplicants, one of the people that provides you money or is part of your the ruling class gets in any kind of legal problems, they know they're not going to have to worry about doing any jail time. Uh, they're going to be let off easy. They'll get a slap on the wrist at most. And they know that, uh, well, their opponents know, those brave enough to fight back against the ruling class, know that they better watch their step because if they do anything, they even... You, even in a little, little bit, looks like it might be uh, questionable from an ethical standpoint. They're going to get the book thrown at them. And so we had uh, this all on display here in the United States. I thought it was interesting, Tom, that on the same day, the news comes out that um, the, the federal government decided that Joe Biden or that Hunter Biden would be able to plead out on a couple of fairly serious charges after five years of investigation, five years on unpaid taxes on eight million dollars of unearned income from sources that are not disclosed, serious federal gun charges and these whistleblower responses, the whistleblower uh, a testimony, the affidavit from these two very courageous uh professionals, IRS professionals, DOJ and FBI officials, there's no benefit for them. They will now be the target of unbelievable smear campaigns. Their lives or physical property may be endangered. There's, and their allegations are so credible that now even the mainstream media, to the extent that, that they finally decided they have no choice but to cover this, it all seems to have converged in the last, what, 36, 48 hours? 
Yeah, well, there's uh, okay. two quick comments on that. I, the other thing I was going to say was that not only did that announcement get made uh, about how he was he was being treated a lot less harshly than a pro-life father with six kids that dared demonstrate outside of an abortion clinic a couple of years ago and got brought in by the FBI just last year, who, who attempted to put him in jail for years. Uh, but at this, on the same day, a state judge in Arkansas comes to a conclusion in the child support case and lowers Hunter Biden's monthly child support payment from 20000 a month to 5000 a month. Now, what are the odds of that, Tom? That those two decisions would both come out on the same day. I think it's virtually nil. I have no idea how they got to that state judge in Arkansas, but I, you know, I know there are coincidences. That's too big of a coincidence. It's like on one day they go, okay, all that attention, all that capital you spent on going after Hunter, all gone, taken care of. Uh, the five year point, Tom, uh, if you, uh, get a letter. If the IRS gets your tax return and they pull you for, you know, for one of these spot audits and they see obvious evidence that you have massively underreported uh, your income, it doesn't take the IRS five years to get you to start paying up. You're going to get a letter. You're going to get a field audit where agents come to your house and you're going to either have to concede guilt and start making payments right away or you're going to be indicted. The fact that that didn't happen over five years, if you apply to get a gun and on that gun application, you lied to the federal government about whether you are currently addicted to drugs or you have ever been engaged in activity that could be a felony. And then you lie again when they ask you if you've lied on this farm and you go, no, I'm telling the truth. It doesn't take five years for them to haul your butt into court. And the usual penalty for that can be a couple of years in prison. Serious just jail on that count. And why five years? There's a reason they slow up. That's not your limitations. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, after 50 years in Mark Levin was making this point last night. After 50 years in Washington, Joe Biden owns the bureaucracy. The Democrat Party is now the party of government. It's in a way Xi Jinping, his formal title is president of the People's Republic of China. But his real title, the one that matters, is chairman of the Communist Party of, of, uh, of Communist China. That's where the real power resides. And we've got a situation. Obviously, it's different. We're not nearly as bad as that yet. But if you lead the Democrat Party, you control the mass federal bureaucracy. You control the Department of Justice. You control the FBI. You control the IRS. Now, for those who say, well, Donald Trump ran the bureaucracy. Um, no, he really didn't. That's the point. For all the bombast, and I'm the first to admit that he said a lot of things that you and I and a lot of other people might have thought not to be wise. There was none of this. He didn't go yeah. after it. He didn't indict his enemies. He didn't imprison his enemies. There's no evidence of anything like that. As a matter of fact, he's not. 
I mean, I know him. I worked there for four years. He's not a score settler to that extent. He just isn't. He never was. So it's the worst of of both worlds for him. He gets the reputation of being, quote unquote, a fascist with none of the advantages of being a fascist. He he wasn't able to control anything in the bureaucracy. You, You know, Tom, for the normal people listening to this that might not have spent time in Washington, let me just quickly explain this, you know, because I was in the Reagan administration for eight years. Um, I was under secretary of education. So you go over to those departments and uh, I think we had 14,000 employees and there might have been um, 50 political appointees scattered throughout the uh, department. So you're, you're bringing your staff in, right? And you're looking around the room and a number of them, probably then maybe a majority of them were actual civil servants. They were the kind of people that whatever their ideology was, they would serve whoever was president um, and they would do that fairly. But I knew there were certain people in the meeting room who every word I said, they would be listening to carefully to see if they could twist it or distort it. And I found out fairly early on, if I had a sensitive meeting that required me to deal with career employees who are the day-to-day people that run these programs, I would read about the meeting literally the next day in the Washington Post with a spin put on it that was detrimental to President Reagan and to me and to our political agenda. We see this to the 10th power literally as we speak. The president, former president of the United States, faces life imprisonment over a documents case. He's accused of violating the Espionage Act, even though the indictment doesn't mention the Espionage Act. Leaking documents, leaking documents, while at the same time, all these investigators... All these prosecutors, they pull all their punches. They leak whatever they have access to. They, they, the same people who are accusing Trump with powers of subpoena and powers of grand jury and powers of, of indictment of leaking classified information are experts at leaking classified information. These whistleblowers have testified about obstruction, about political interference, um, and God knows how many uh, underlying crimes. The media ignores them to the extent that they can, discredits them when they have to acknowledge them at all, and are, are personally savaged and smeared by Democrats who try to dismiss all of this. Uh, and five years for the Hunter Biden investigate. Five years. Five years. If you didn't pay tax on eight million dollars in income from dubious sources, I think you'd uh, I think you'd be wearing an orange jumpsuit, Gary. Yeah. And and of course, this was also happening at the same time that there were uh, very uh, questionable deposits being made in multiple bank accounts all over the country. If you deposit ten thousand dollars or more in one uh, deposit, Uh, that generates a report to the United States Treasury 
because the you, the you know there there's some there could be some linkage to drug dealings or other nefarious activities. It's now, a formal. I mean, if you're listening to the news and you hear the term SAR, if they throw it around, yeah. that's the term. It's called a suspicious activity report that the Treasury Department requires from all financial institutions. Transactions. I can't remember the exact specification, but any transaction over ten thousand dollars that the bank can't immediately. Uh, align with either an employer or a known 1099 contractor, they're required to file what is called a suspicious activity report to the Treasury Department, who then can act on it, or in the case of Joe Biden, sit on it, because there were hundreds of SARs uh, directed against the Bidens, hundreds, and nothing was ever done with any of them. They wouldn't turn it over to congressional investigators. They had to, to fight. They're still fighting like Hades to get all of those. By the way, Tom, I think this is kind of funny. You know, they had to tell the banks, okay, now don't get hung up on 10,000. You know, if somebody's regularly coming, depositing 9,999, we call that an obvious attempt to avoid the $10,000 reporting requirement. You have to report that, too. So, you know, carried to its logical extreme, you could say that everybody, any deposit's got to be reported. But at any rate, I mean, seriously, any average American, normal American, entrepreneur, businessman would give their eye teeth if they could get treatment like that from the IRS, if they would get that kind of, oh, that's okay, buddy, we understand, don't worry about it, we got better bigger, better, and bigger things to do. It's outrageous. And Tom, this is more damaging to our constitutional republic than any rhetoric by Donald Trump, any questioning of whether the election was fair. Every day, this kind of double standard of justice that isn't and it's not just a double standard of judge justice for Trump and Republican politicians. It goes all the way down to how people that attack uh, crisis pregnancy centers are treated compared to people who attack abortion clinics are treated. So it's a double standard of justice. You can't undermine a society and the rule of law more effectively than to continue to, in your face, do this. And then to top it all off, while they know half the country is furious, they have Hunter Biden prominently prancing around at a state dinner just a day later and then going with his father to Camp David for the weekend. You know, the this latest, I will call it prosecutorial felony because it is, was the leaking of this audio file that prosecutors have of Donald Trump on a phone call about uh, documents that was leaked to CNN. Now, this was leaked. It had to have been leaked by the government, by the DOJ, by somebody in official in an official capacity designed obviously to, to poison the jury pool and deny the president uh, any semblance of due process. And I think something interesting has happened, it, which didn't occur to me until a couple days ago. I was, I was sitting on an airplane for 27,000 hours. Um, for the past five years, six years, seven years, the media and all of polite society have hated Donald Trump. They've despised him. They've loathed him. But now that it looks like he might win again, they've gone from hatred to abject fear. They're terrified. Because if Trump wins again, they're done. 
they're absolutely done. The lid blows off. For them, it is fight or die. Now, to be, about this audio leak, we know nothing about it, by the way. We don't know the context. It was cherry-picked. Um, we're fed this, what, 60-second or 70-second uh, clip via CNN, which is the favorite go-to place for, for the government. It's basically state media. Um, and the felonies that were committed in leaking this, you can't leak that kind of stuff. There's no demand for accountability here. That's great news gathering. CNN, CNN, you know, they take credit for having, they were fed it. They were fed it like a pizza on a platter. Yeah, you know, Tom, the um, the inspector general uh, at the uh, Justice Department, FBI, uh, did a report a couple years ago about some of the uh, bad practices that were going on there and related, again, to Trump and some of these investigations. And one of the things he said in his report was that um, I, he said the culture of leaking to the media was so pronounced throughout the agency, I found it virtually impossible to catalog it in any way because it was done by everybody. And there were both authorized leaks to the media and unauthorized leaks to the media. And I, I don't, as inspector general, I don't even know how to begin to root that out. And this is the name of the game, right? I mean, and, you know, we now know in retrospect that a lot of those leaks that took place during the Trump administration uh, that were fed to major media outlets ended up being lies. And we've I've not seen one reporter publicly say uh, I'm going back to my sources and, and there's going to be hell to pay. Because I now know that what that guy leaked to me was a lie. And I ran with it and I got an article in the Washington Post about it. In fact, I won an award for that article. And now I'm really angry that that guy lied to me. I don't think they are angry. I mean, I I think there was a lot of winking going on. Oh, absolutely. And Mark Levin had a great line last night that that um, felonies committed going after Donald Trump are not felonies anymore because you can do whatever you want to go after Donald Trump. Finding Donald Trump felonies require federal government felonies uh, many times over. But of course, they're going to be ignored. No one will ever be held to account. Um, The Democrat Party is the government. I mean, that's just... uh, and, and, And power is something that they will never relinquish peacefully or peaceably we've seen that and the election interference forget about 2016 forget about 2020 look what's happening now for 2024 election interference indicting the leading republican candidate two indictments another one possibly two more coming down the the pike an irs probe into biden's money laundering payments given a stand down order The FBI wanted to search Biden's house in September of 2020, but were given a stand-down order. Donald Trump was president then. The stand-down order was given by some low-level official on the seventh floor of the uh, FBI building. We don't know who. We'll never know who because uh, no one will ever go after them. The FBI had authenticated Hunter's laptop 
a year and a half before Miranda Devine at the New York Post first reported on it. And instead of reporting on these tens upon tens of thousands of, of, of documents outlining God knows how many felonies, how many misdemeanors on that laptop, the FBI, and this is all but admitted now, again, with no consequence, nobody cares, created this hatch, plotted this, uh, hatched this plot uh, to warn social media companies in advance that this was likely Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't, and it was all designed to censor the story, which, of course, uh, social media did. Um, uh, It's just, I mean, the FBI uh, influence operation with all kinds of uh, reporters at major newspapers trying to convince them that damaging reporting, any damaging reporting about the Bidens uh, was disinformation or wasn't true or Republican dirty tricks. Uh, it's just, it's endless. It, it is, Tom. And, and look, there's a, this is really a double-edged sword because on the one hand, um, it, it makes people angry enough that maybe they get more involved in politics. But it can, it can have, and I believe it does have the opposite effect too, which is that after it just keeps happening over and over and over and over again, there are people out there that just say, I've had it. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't take it anymore. I, I, there's nothing I can do. So while I'm not sending any more money to the Republican Party, I'm not even going to bother to vote. I, I'm just going to try to save my little island. I'm going to try to keep my family, my children safe, my finances safe. I'm going to try to come up with a couple of plan B's, places I can go if things really get bad, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I heard several people say, why would the White House, you know, take Hunter Biden in the middle of this and so visibly have him at a state dinner and then have all the media see him get on a helicopter with dad as they go off privately to Camp David over the weekend? No doubt, Tom, with a bunch of lawyers to plan the next chapter of how they're going to keep this defense going. And my answer is, yeah, that was intentional. That was in your face. That, that was like planting your flag where the enemy's flag used to be, right? That's showing those you've conquered. It's like putting the rainbow flag up on the White House. It's like putting the rainbow flag over all the Pentagon websites, which continued throughout this month. Um, it's, it's to say, Sit down, shut out, shut up. We're in charge. We've got all the levers of power. You can't do anything about it. What's the shakeout on this? I can't tell you how many people I've met or talked to, um, Republicans and Democrats. Interestingly enough for me, the Democrats, Biden's a disaster. He's terrible. He's awful. The country's in terrible shape. But of course I'm going to vote for him because I hate Trump. I mean, there's a, and then on our side, we see the same thing. Uh, I'm going to support anybody. I mean, Chris Christie apparently is raising all kinds of money from Republican. um, He just, but this is from, these are from Republican heavies who are ashamed of Trump, are embarrassed about Trump. Uh, It's as though their own personal, we've talked about this before, their own personal hatred 
slash fear of Donald Trump trumps, no pun intended, every consideration for the welfare, the security and the future of the country. Yeah. See, now you and I disagree on this um, uh, because it makes it sound that if Trump just wasn't in the picture, this problem you're describing would would be solved and we could get down to a real election where all these Democrats you're talking to would you know, not vote to reelect uh, Joe Biden. They're going to elect instead DeSantis, Mike Pence, uh, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. No, they're not, Tom. No, they're not. Come on. That's this is Lucy with the football. Long before Donald Trump was on the scene, none of these people were voting Republican and they're not going to revoke Republican under any circumstances. They are liberals acting like they're moderates or something else. The elections before Trump were were elections that were being settled by nail biters. That was true when we nominated George W. Bush when we nominated people that the, the, the donor class says they love, people like John McCain and Mitt Romney, we lost the elections. So the Democrats have at least 40 plus percent of the country. And so do conservatives. I disagree with the analysis that these Republicans funding people like uh, Chris Christie are doing it because they're embarrassed by Donald Trump. They're not. That's not the reason. They don't believe in populist conservatism. That's that's also they true. But the one thing on communist China, they don't want tariffs on communist China. You're right. You're right. The one um, thing that does scare me, you alluded to it earlier, is the I can't take it anymore phenomenon. I'm exhausted. That phenomenon that this is just I can't take it anymore. It's been eight years. You know, I got a life to live. That's what scares me. You've got, what, 30 to 35 percent of the country that is hardcore Trump. I'm one of them. You're one of them. You've got 40, I don't know, 45 percent that are hardcore Dems. So you're looking at 20 percent. And the question is, where are they? And And those 20, as you know, there's a there's a sizable portion. I think it's a third of the 20 in both directions, a third of the 20 that is actually made up of pretty far left people mm-hmm. who are upset that the Democrats aren't left wing enough. Right. And a third of the so-called independents, which is not the same thing as moderates, another third of the independents that are fed up with the Republican Party because it's not conservative enough. So they lean right. They lean left. So you end up getting down to about 7% of the country. And the other interesting thing, Tom, they're in, I don't know how many counties there are in America. I think it's like four, five, 6,000 mm-hmm. counties in America. There's about 75 counties that whoever wins those counties ends up winning the presidency. That, I mean, that's where most of those one third of the independents that are actually independents reside. So um, it, it this is this is very disturbing for the future because you know presumably we're going to keep electing conservatives and liberals alternating in some way and in each case the other half of the country is going to be furious and angry and fight like Hades 
to bring down the presidents and that's in power. Uh, Tom, I, I'm so um, disgusted with Fox News, and I won't go off on a whole tangent on it. But one of the things I almost laugh at is they've got this thing where they bring in a Republican and a Democrat. They do it on Brett Baer's news uh, report every night. They don't they don't do it every night because they can't find enough examples. But about once a week, they'll do it. They'll bring in a Republican in Congress and a Democrat in Congress and say, well, with all the divisions in the country uh, we have with us today, congressman, so-and-so, a Republican and congressman, so-and-so, a Democrat, and uh, they're working together on something which shows bipartisanship is still possible in Washington, D.C. So tell us what the bipartisanship is about. It, it always comes down to one or two things. They both want us to stay massively involved in funding uh, Ukraine during the Ukraine-Russian war, or they're working together on a corn support uh, no exactly as new shoe polish regulations something utterly utterly irrelevant and that's to say nothing of uh democrats now and this is what worries me all we learned about 2020 and the rigging and the changing of laws uh, they haven't stopped doing that i mean they're orchestrating state by state uh campaigns to change voting rules to get even wider uh, adoption of voting boxes, particularly in in uh, blue states. So their goal, and they've stated this openly, is that 70 percent of their votes are banked by Election Day. And the yeah. question uh, uh, just the question is, are we capable of matching that? Are we? Well, look, they they play hardball and we're always we always seem to be a little bit behind. You know, Tom, remember when the Tea Party burst on the scene? It was a grassroots phenomenon. Uh, the, 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 the key people that began uh, this movement, they did not register the name Tea Party, uh, as an actual political party. So what the Democrats did in the next election cycle in a number of states, they went into the state and registered the name Tea Party and nominated fake candidates to pull one or two or three percent of the Republican vote into voting for somebody that wasn't even a Tea Party. And we still because won 65 seats. Do, right? and we still won 65 seats. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I um, it's dispiriting. It is. I, it is dispiriting. And it's uh, and it's scary because, uh, you know, right now there's a lot of talk about third-party candidates. The Democrats are scared to death of Robert F. Kennedy and what he might do. They're scared to death of the possibility that Manchin could run as a third-party candidate. So what are they doing? They're going into the states, and they're trying to get state legislatures to pass laws that would make it impossible for a third party to be on the ballot uh, next year. And they've already said no debates. They've canceled caucuses in Iowa. States that aren't favorable to them, they'll simply cancel. I mean, we've got, you know, Mark Zuckerberg spending $420 million in 2020. He'll spend twice that this time. I mean, what we saw in 2020 will pale in comparison to what will happen now. Um, it, because all of this is done alongside uh, federal agencies. Back in 2020, it was because of COVID. They'll find a way to continue to ramp up early voting, vote harvesting, ballot harvesting in ways that, that help them. I just don't... Uh, I, I know well, I, sh- I look, shouldn't be dispirited, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the, look, the, 
Reagan used to say that, um, you know, there, you, you can never go wrong trusting the American people. Um, hopefully, there's enough shifting going on among uh, various ethnic Americans um, who are catching on that neo-Marxism coupled with uh, social radicalism uh, is not does not give you a good country who who may abandon the Democrat Party in sufficient numbers that they can't make it up in cheating. Because if that's if that doesn't happen, then then you're left with either we lose or something worse happens. And, you know, there's people that uh take matters in their own hands. If they think that their freedom is being snuffed out, then uh, they, they, they're not going to go down quietly. That's, I mean, that's always a possibility. That's, that's the danger here. When politics is uh, used, when political parties are able to use the machinery, the coercive power of government to punish their opponents, that's when politics stops being peaceful. But by the way, Tom, here in Northern Virginia, uh, we just had primaries because we have off-year elections for uh, the state legislature. And, uh, you know, Northern Virginia was for decades a battleground area that leaned left. And then it became just pretty solidly liberal. Uh, and, uh, and our goal was to hold down our losses in places like Fairfax County. Now, this cycle, uh, there were uh, leftist insurgents who ran in Democrat Party primaries, as well as pretty far-left prosecutors that ran for re-election. And now, uh, Northern Virginia is far-left. The people that have been elected are people that are on the, or the, that are in the left-wing of the left-wing party. And so there, there are still, you know, probably a million conservatives or hundreds of thousands of conservatives in Northern Virginia. They will find nobody representing them in elected office at the county or city level. We've been shut out. Um, and that's got, that's, that's bad news for the future of Virginia. It's bad news for the future of the country because, of course, Virginia, suburban Virginia, northern Virginia, is the seat of power of our federal government, our federal bureaucracy that spends $7 trillion a year in an economy that is uh, $17 trillion and flat. We're out of time, Gary. We are. And uh, I, I apologize to all of those out there that went into withdrawal last week. There is a 12-step plan that Tom and I have put together for withdrawal during those weeks when there is much, no uh, Bower and Rose wisdom like you just listened to. But we're back this week, jumbling your brains once again. Uh, have a good couple of days, and uh, we'll, we'll see you toward the end of the week. And by the end of the week, Gary has promised to teach me how to access our own email. It's Radio at gmail.com. And I don't know how to get into it because I've got a Gmail account, but I can't. I don't know how to get into it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So, so I apologize uh, to all those folks that have emailed. Um, I'd say if you have any suggestions on how to get in, email us. But 
I won't be able to read it anyway. Well, Car- Carol said to me this morning at breakfast, I'm really angry at Tom. I've sent 10 suggestions to him and he hasn't <laughs> responded to one of them. Well, you know, if her husband, well, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going <laughs> to have a good couple days. We'll talk to you in a few days. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.